Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was their pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So practice your quick draw. It's time for... I never saw that. Let me set the scene. It's 1994. Mm-hmm. Simon Moore and Sam Raimi get together and want to make a Western. Okay. The world building's already been done. People know what to expect about Westerns. Uh-huh. People know all the tropes. People know what's going to happen. The thing they're concerned about is they don't want to sit through an hour and a half of buildup and tension and character progression and world building. They just want to see the fucking shootouts. That's mm-hmm. all they care about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they said, fuck the plot. Yeah. We'll shoehorn that in with flashbacks. <laughs> fuck any sort of character development. Yeah. We'll just get it all done right away. Everyone will be a stereotype. Let's just have a bunch of shootouts. Well, there was, it's a Western. I mean, everybody was a stereotype back then, you know? Right. So in the Wild made... West, that's how everyone, everyone was literally exactly like the stereotypes of them. So they made The Quick and the Dead, which is what we're talking about this week. Uh, That's a good description. And by the way, I was kidding. I was making a joke, but you were waiting to make your joke. And I just want to make sure the listeners know I was kidding about that. But um, that's a very good description of this movie. I hadn't actually thought about that. The fact that it's really only shootouts. Like that, it really is... That's the whole plot, is shootouts. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing in a lot of ways. I think... I mean, it's true. We know the genre. We know what to expect. We know the characters. We know they introduce it, these people and we're like, okay, got it. You did except, it. You introduced them quick. Let's move on. That's great. Except that they're also trying to do something new and different by having a woman be the yes. main character and the best gunslinger. Yes. You they know? invert a lot of the tropes as well, which well, works. Just that one. Are there others they invert? Well, they... They throw things up there that you're supposed to think are, is going to go a certain way, and then oh well, it we can talk about uh, that later. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty much just people shooting each other. I, how far into this do you want to get? I, I'm sort of like stopping myself from even getting into it yet because I know that you're probably going to be like, "Oh, I have a thing." First of all, can I say it's been almost a month since our last episode came yeah, out? Yeah, it's been too long, and we're sorry. We really apologize. We um we live in an RV. The biggest problem that we're running, well, there's two big problems we're running into. One is that we don't usually have Wi-Fi strong enough to stream movies and stuff. Uh, the other is that we're fucking exhausted by the time our kids are in bed and we have time for this. So we're just still trying to figure all that out. But This is in the segment. We're still trying to figure it out, living in an RV and doing a podcast and... It's hard because we can't watch things and we don't have time to watch things or record things. What was that? It's just like we this, we do this every time we record now. We do this segment. So I just wanted to write a little impromptu song about it, which That's I did what, pretty successfully. I don't. You just said what I said. Yeah. 
So you just wasted more of the time of the people that was the joke that are really that are trying so hard to stick with us here, and they're like, oh. So we were able to watch this movie, obviously, and uh, although we watched it in two parts, which we'll get to in a minute. And Elliot and I also watched Tommy Boy the other night, which is in our time period, and so we will have an episode on that. Coming out before too long. I need to rewatch that because it's been a long time. Yeah, I think just right now, real quick. What do you what? <laughs> what, what do, do I you remember? Think the plot of Tommy Boy is. Well, from what I you remember, remember the basic plot. Oh well, you said you didn't remember anything. Chris so Farley's I thought it... character is Tommy. Uh huh. And he's the heir to a um, auto parts manufacturing company. Okay, you totally remember this. But he, it just is a dumbass and plays around and doesn't do anything and never takes anything seriously. Um, and so David Spade is assigned to hang out with him and they go on a road trip and stuff and get into shenanigans. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of major parts you're missing, but that's right. pretty much all you need to know yeah. to talk about Tommy Boy. So anyway, we're not doing a Tommy Boy episode <laughs> right now, but we will we will do that soon and you can look forward to that. Here's what I'm thinking. I know we've talked about this already on our last episode a fucking month ago. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we talked about doing like a different podcast or doing a new podcast. So, but let's set that idea aside for a minute and assume that we can keep doing I Never Saw That. I think that we should focus on music for a little while because we can do the music. We can access music. We can listen to it. You know what I mean? I don't know why it's so it feels hard to do music. I think we both feel that way. I think I think it's because some of the music that we really want to talk about is not maybe as accessible, you know, as a lot of these movies and TV shows that we've talked about. It's less you mean it's like not that we can't find it or listen to it. It's that it's less digestible kind of and Yeah, or like I don't know, music is just so <sighs> Yeah, it's They're harder for so... me because I have to do multiple listens to really think of things to talk about and things I want to talk about and pick up on themes, and even people, for albums that I know really well. People connect to music in such a powerful way, yeah. I think. And and I mean, I connect to music in such a powerful way. And I think, I think because of that, it's actually kind of hard to talk about because it's a very, very emotional topic mm -hmm. for me. I'm already so fucking emotional. But I think... I think there's some fun stuff we could do with it. I think we should do some Billboard Top 100 yeah. stuff. Like, let's just talk about, like, what was really popular at the time. Anyway, so thank you so much for sticking with us. And let's get into this shit now. So before we get into The Quick and the Dead, we do have some See in the Funny Papers to catch up on. Hooray. See you in the Funny Papers. See you in the Funny Papers. See you in the Funny Papers. A little housekeeping before we get going. In our previous episode, I did mention that we forgot August 25th and we were going to have to come back to it. I totally spaced it. We did cover August 25th. Oh my it was God. that hilarious little Roses Rose comic I strip. I bet everybody knows exactly what you're talking that? about. Yeah. In case you're wanting to catch up and get your you know, accounting right and fix your spreadsheet and everything... Um, you can go to our website, I never saw that.com, and there is a funny papers category. So you can just see them all right there and go through them. That's also handy if you want to um, see them, unlike Jen, who doesn't ever get to see them. She's was not Rose's to to the Rose website. the one with the exercise and the no, lady? No, that was last 
That was last episode. No, no, no. That's an older. That's an old one. I'm thinking of. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. Um. One question I have yes. is: when we get through all the dates, mm-hmm. like, because we're on what August, August 27th, 1994. So when we were there we... for two years, so we have approximately 715 yeah. left. Yes. Is the podcast over? I feel I think that the podcast is over at that point. I think that that we need to put our give ourselves a stopping point because this really is there's so much media out there and we could do it for right. we could easily do this right. for ten years or more. Well, I that's think what I was going to say. I think something you're forgetting, and I see why you think this now because there are no more newspapers out there in the world. Everything's online. But back at this time, something you may have forgotten is the funny <laughs> papers more than one comic. was I, like two pages. Yeah, I know. Of funnies. I know. But I just think. I so think we're going to go through all of them every day. We're just I, doing one at a time for each day and then we'll start again. So you're saying that this podcast is, <laughs> this is infinite almost. Yes, and this podcast will go on for just decades. Yeah. Upon decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. And our children will carry it on after we die. Until we've covered all the comics in all the newspapers. From in all the, the country. specific time, the specific two years that I mm-hmm. was not around. See, I thought you were curating this so carefully and thoughtfully that you were picking the perfect comic that perfectly represented that day. Oh, no, no. This is in I, 1994, I mean, I am you know? curating it. I've already gone through all of them. These are, <laughs> it's like a top 10 list, and I'm doing, we're on number 10 right now. What do you mean? These are the worst ones. And we're counting down to the best ones. I went through each day and I picked out the but worst comic of the day. it's not top 10. It's like top 750 right. or yeah, whatever. I just threw a number in that we could understand. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Enough talk. Let's get to the descriptions. So, yes. After all that talk, I'm going to kind of throw you a curveball here. Oh, we're doing boy. something a little different today. Oh, no. It is from the Funny Papers. Oh, um, no. Today we're going to do the jumble from August 27th, 1994. Okay. One, <laughs> why? Two, how? Three, my grandparents did the jumble every day. I know. So you should be really good at this. I am really good at it. Yes. I mean, I'm not worried. Wait, what day is this from? What day of the week? It's a Saturday, so Ooh, it's not... Ooh, it's going to be hard. No, it's not that hard. The Sundays were the hard one. There was an extra one, and Okay, so longer. are we actually going to... You're going to give me letters, and I have to solve mm-hmm. them, and people have to sit and listen to that? Yep. yep. I mean, I guess it's no worse than listening to your your descriptions, but with the jumble, there is, there is a, a little comic, comic huh? So, yeah, it's going to be fun. But do I have to solve the words first, or are you going to describe the comic? Uh, I'm going to describe the comic, and then I'll tell what about, you the four words. Do you want to just very briefly... In case people don't know what the jumble is, there might be people out there who don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very briefly, which is something I'm good at, uh, I will now describe (laughs) what the jumble is. Oh, no. Uh, Wait, do you want me to do it? No. Um, (laughs) This is my segment. So (laughs) the jumble is just, it's like a word puzzle that's in the paper every day. And Mm -hmm. you get four words. They're five letter words. And they're, they're all jumbled up. Letters. They're not always. I think on Sundays Sometimes they were longer. Sometimes they're six or seven. Yeah. But I, these are all... No, these. some of these are six too. So... Get your counting straight. There's four of them on most weekdays, I think, and Saturday. And then on Sunday there's five or six maybe. I don't know. Um, but you... They're like little anagrams. The words are all jumbled up. So you figure out what the word is. And then in each space, there are some um, letters that are circled. So you take all the circled letters and you put them together. And then that 
It gives you, you an answer to, to the little that. riddle that's in the comic. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a question that goes with, yeah. So yeah. what's the question? Or So the comic, this one, um, shows four players um, on a basketball court. And there's a basketball huh. hoop. And it's the accountants. I know this. It's abbreviated in the comic. But it says accountants versus attorneys. Um, and the accountants have, it looks like 80. It's kind of fuzzy and blurry. But it looks like 80-something points or 93 points. And the attorneys have 50 points. Uh-huh. Okay. So the accountants are beating the attorneys. Yes. And one okay. of the accountants is um, Dunky. Which is awesome. Uh-huh. He's like way up. His head's up above Are they the wearing Like, so when you said accountants and attorneys, I'm picturing people in suits. No, no. They're wearing jerseys and short shorts. Actual. Yeah. Oh, short shorts. Mm-hmm. This is old. That's. Well, right. they're attorneys and accountants. So, I mean, they're not. They're going to wear like. Nerdy not stuff. Not the coolest. Okay. Basketball I guess. gear. Um, on okay. their backs and on their fronts, apparently, because the dunking player, you can see, it just says attorneys and accountants but it's abbreviated accts and attys so this Hmm. artist is just going out of their way to make it clear for everyone um and the the question at the bottom it says it's not a question but why the lawyers lost to the accountants okay okay so the first jumble it is five letters Uh uh-huh t-u-d-o-o and I don't even get to see the letters, which is really... T-U-D-O-O. T-U-D-O-O. To-do. To-do is not correct. It's T-O-O-D-U. Next. Um, I'll give you a hint. No, wait. T-U-D-O-O. Duoto. No. This is like O-tod. a compound word. A common three-letter word and then a common, very common two-letter word is at the end. To do? What? No. T-U-T-O-O. I need to see the letters. I, I can't do it without that. I think what we should do is um, we'll go through all of them, and then at the end of the episode, we'll come back. We'll give you a break to look at them and stuff, and we'll give our listeners a chance to solve, to solve them. it. Okay? Okay. Ready? Yeah, that's better, because this is a lot of pressure, too. Second jumble. R-E-B-B-I. What if I do get one right away, though? I should just be quiet. You should be quiet also because everybody's trying to write these down right now. No, but okay, but what's the rules? I want to know what the rule on that is if I get it right away. I don't know. The first jumble also, I want to mention that the third and the fifth letter in the solved word for T-U-D-O-O. Are circled. Third and the fifth are circled. Mm -hmm. R-E-B-B-I. The first, second, and fifth letters are circled. The third jumble here is U-N-C-I-D-E. I got the second one. Okay. U-N-C-I-D-E. Yes. And the second, third, and fourth letters are circled. The final one here is E-M-B-L-U-F. E-M-B-L-U-F. And the second, third, and sixth letters are circled. Okay. So we're going to come back to this at the end, I yeah. guess, is the plan. And then let me give so you the... So that I can look at them because I really can't do this in my head. The answer has um, a whole bunch of letters. It's all one word. Um, and before it, it says, they were blank. That's the answer. Okay. Why the lawyers lost I'll to the accountants. Right... They were blank. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be some form of like cheating, but it'll be a pun, like an accountant pun. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay, so was that C in the funny papers then? Well, we'll wrap it up at the end. Yeah, but can I play the music? 
Yeah, but now. we'll just play it again at the end so people know that we're getting back into it. Okay. See you in the funny paper soon. Okay, so let's get into this movie. Can I just share something before we get into this movie? Yeah. It's not related to The Quick and the Dead, but I just want to share, because it is relevant to our podcast, and I think people will really grieve with me a little bit here, but I've had to I've had to come to terms with some pretty painful stuff mm-hmm. um, in the last week or two. I have a feeling this is not serious. No, it is serious. Okay. Uh, I mean, I am making light of it right okay. now. But the thing I've had to really come to terms with is the fact that <laughs> Ken Marino doesn't actually want to hang out with me oh, in real life. Oh, ouch. And I'm laughing about it because when I say it out loud, it's like, well, of course he, <laughs> of course he doesn't. <laughs> he was very sweet but when he was a guest on our podcast. You all heard him say it. He said, come get a beer well, we with s- me. Yeah. But if you're in Los Angeles, and we are technically in Los Angeles right I ha- now. I have reached out to him. I reached out to him once, and he told me he was in Boston and then until a certain date. And then I reached out to him again like the day after that date. And I was like, we're still here. I promise I won't bother you again. But if, if you're available any of these days, I would love to take you out for beer. And, you know. His lawyers did show up at our RV park and <laughs> tell us to lay off. That's not funny because no, that's not I'm the kind joking. of relationship that Ken and I have. <laughs> but it is it is bumming me out a little bit because I really wanted to meet him in person because I feel like uh, I think we would get along really well in person. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us would, but I'm talking about me going mm-hmm. out to him because he would are. have to stay with the kids. Mm-hmm. This has been established. This is, she thinks this has been established. It has. But anyway, so I'm really, I am kind of, there's a little bit of grieving going on for me around that. And I just feel like I wanted to share it with people that I knew would understand. I'm sorry. Okay. So the other thing is we watched this movie, The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Let me we share did. some facts about it. We did. Oh, yes. Please. It is a movie. It's a movie. Filmed on on film. Motion picture. It. If you will. Had Gene Hackman. Sharon Stone, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Russell Crowe in it. Quite the cast. Quite the cast. And some other people whose names I don't know. Yes. Keith David, Mark Boone Jr., Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Um, That's all I can really say about it, facts-wise. I will say that this is going to be pretty fun going through my notes on this because, as we briefly mentioned earlier, we watched this movie in two parts. We watched the first half of this movie at least two weeks ago. Yeah. The first half. Two weeks ago. I don't, even with notes, I often don't remember what I was talking about in my notes Mm -hmm. if we record the next day. Here's a question for you. This is going to be fun. Do you even remember Lance Henriksen's character? I don't know who that is. is, But he was wearing all black leather. He had cards. That was kind of his gimmick. He died really early on. I don't know who you're talking about at yeah. all. No, I don't remember so, that So yeah, person. we watched this movie in two parts separated by a long-ass intermission. Very long. Which so, is not... I don't think it's how the filmmakers intended it to be viewed. Here's here's the first note I took. Mm-hmm. This guy's grunting at the beginning makes me uncomfortable. 
Hmm. <laughs> Who was grunting? Seeing that it was over two weeks ago that I watched that scene, I have no idea what I was talking about. Hmm. Yeah, that could have been one of any number of characters. So, as we mentioned, kind of, the plot is shoehorned in through flashbacks. Sam Raimi was the director. It, this movie did come out in 1995. Sam Raimi is known for the Evil Dead series of movies. Spider-Man. The Maguire Spider-Man. Yes. He was a producer on Xena, another show that we've covered during this uh, podcast. This was also Russell Crowe's first U.S. film. Really? Yes. What was his next U.S. film? I don't know. Probably Gladiator. Okay. I don't think that's it's fascinating. Accurate. LA Confidential, maybe. I have not. I don't. Is I he in it that? Was a trivia question. Is he in that? He's yeah. in LA Confidential. Of course he is. He's the real hero. I only hero. remember Kim Basinger. I don't know. I can't name a single other person that's in that movie. Guy Pierce. Yeah, you can. The I, dude we from all Babe. know you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Sharon Stone is the hero in this movie, mm-hmm. and she—I'd say Sharon Stone and Russell Crowe, but yeah, she's yeah. yeah, she's the real, she's the main hero. She's the you know, the one that wanders into the town because the hero in a western is always that mm-hmm. person who comes in from outside, yes, with some sort of vendetta, yes. So she, in the beginning of the film, she—it's set up that she's wily and crazy and good with a gun because there's some dude digging out in the desert. She rides up on him and gets shot several times by him and falls off her horse and then pulls out like a metal plate or something, does the Clint Eastwood thing. I don't remember what she pulls out, but he didn't kill her. He comes up on her and she attacks him and hits him with a shovel and ties him up and takes off. We don't know what like treasure they're looking for or it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the film except that he comes back later. This is just so interesting because I don't remember any of this at all. Yeah. (laughs) So this is fun for me. I'm just... Right after that, she rides into the town of Redemption. And we know the town is called Redemption because she rides past the cemetery and then immediately after rides by a sign. And I say sign in air quotes because it's individual boards for each letter, just like wide flat boards stuck in the ground. But they wrote the letters of the word redemption on each board. And they wrote them really fucking nicely like this is like a really nice garamond font or something with <laughs> serifs and everything very nicely uh-huh. constructed uh-huh. on individual shitty boards that they found uh-huh. somewhere that are weathered and fucked up uh-huh. so it's a really strange sign um but we know she's in redemption she rides into town and the first man she sees is a guy making coffins and he asks her how tall she is and Kind of measures her up for a coffin right as she's riding into town. Because he makes coffins for everybody, like specifically for each person in the town? Or was he giving her shit? Because again, I don't remember this. Because he knows she's going to die. He mm. makes coffins for people. And he sees her and says, well, you're going to die. Stranger riding into town. Going to die. this town of Redemption, every year there's an annual gunslinger contest, contest. Put on by it Herod. It is hilarious. Mr. Herod. Gene Hackman. Runs the town. We don't know it's Gene Hackman yet, but and we don't know his name or anything. No, but yeah. He runs the town. He takes money from everybody. He offers protection, you know, like the mob, kind of. He's a bit, yeah. He's essentially a mob boss without yeah. much of a mob. He, I mean, he has his men, so I guess he's kind of a mob boss who runs the town. There's no one else in the town. <laughs> Not There's a lot of no, people. No, I mean, like, there are no, none. a lot of the usual... Uh, 
people in a western like the sheriff usually mm-hmm. features prominently there's no sheriff in this town because we saw the marshal I know, because her dad was office, the marshal the marshal's office she has got been burned really down angry she got really angry and upset when she saw the word marshal mm-hmm. and so that was a clue and then she has but a little locket with gary sinise in it yeah gary sinise was her dad are we supposed to think they he's like her old lover or we don't know yeah but i'm telling you right now Mm -hmm. so we do know okay because we did watch (laughs) the movie and that's her dad and he was killed by well he was killed by gene hackman essentially even though it was her that actually shot him Mm -hmm. in the head Uh, it's a it's a it's a twisted story of basically gene hackman herod fucking by the way gene hackman why is he so good why is he so I've never watched anything with him in it that where he did not absolutely like No, I know what you mean. He goes all in and it it's great because he has this restrained like control and intimidation but then he can go unhinged in like a second. He's he is just fucking he's fantastic in this movie Mm -hmm. and i would not say that this is a fantastic movie by any means no he's great he is he is so wonderful to watch and it made me wonder like is gene hackman an asshole i hope not but probably he's very old his is definitely the standout performance oh Um, yeah leonardo Leonardo dicaprio is also good yes very good and this was he's eight years old but he's very very good he's in his 20s and this is my (laughs) favorite uh period of his I watching. He does look like he's very. Young, he's, he, he's always looked like that. He looked like a little boy back yeah. then, but he was actually in his twenties. And this was also the period you'll recall that mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet came out, mm-hmm. and his performance was he in that? His performance in that movie is one of my favorite things of all time. But he was fantastic in this movie, yeah, he was and great. also everything he was in at this time. So what I was trying to say, though, before I got off on like how amazing Gene Hackman is, but he plays this role a lot where he's like this villain who is very, very calmly sadistic, Mm -hmm. you know, and and captivating. That's the word I was looking for. He's absolutely captivating. And it's it's his laugh. It's the way that he his little chuckle. He chuckles. That's it. It's a chuckle. I wrote that down. That's the exact word. I want to see what kind of man you are. What kind of man am I? Kind people hate. (laughs) He chuckles at people. And it is like chilling and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And he is the best. But he's a sadistic fuck. And basically, you find out, since I already said this, I'll just finish the story. You find out that Sharon Stone, her name's Ellen. Ellen's dad was the marshal. But in for a lot of the movie, she's just the lady. Lady, they call her lady. Yeah, they do that with everyone though. It's not just her. Yeah, they like everyone has a nickname. But she's the only woman. Leo's basically. kid, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, she's she is the only woman. The marshal, Gary Sinise, mm-hmm. her dad. When she was a kid, Gene Hackman had him strung up to be hung, and he had a chair or a stool underneath him, and Gene Hackman was like riding around on his horse, shooting the legs of the stool, and so it was just about to give out, but then he gave her as a little kid the gun and said shoot the rope if you shoot the rope if you're able to hit the rope your daddy your daddy can live Mm -hmm. and so of course she shoots him in the head accidentally so she actually did technically murder her own father Mm -hmm. uh but because gene hackman you know forced her into it essentially 
And as it's if a, that it's wasn't, very upsetting. It's very sad. Yeah, very, as if very, that very wasn't sad. a powerful enough thing. You see earlier in the film. You see that through flashback later in the film. So all of this yeah, stuff, all the backstory, later, yeah. is slowly unrolled through flashbacks, piece by piece, right? Until you get the whole thing at the very end of the film. Um, but at the beginning of the film, we're introduced to Court, which is Russell Crowe's character. And he is right. a preacher who they drag into town they who call used him to be preacher, part yeah. of um, Herod's gang or Gene right. Hackman's gang. But again, you don't know that right away either. Right. All you well, know... Well, you kind of do because you can figure it out like if you've ever seen a Western. That's oh, well, the thing I, about this movie. It's I haven't like... seen enough Westerns, honestly, to pick up on that. I All I, all I knew was that they burned down his mission mm-hmm. and then dragged him to this town. Right. So and, I, but they make so... hints like, oh, good to see you again. Cool. Like, and things like that. And yeah, they, well, so, you, I wasn't picking up on that. I was just anyway, like, why do they, they hate string Russell him Crow? up in the bar? Right. Because they tell him, you're joining the the shootout this That's year. Right. And he's like, no, I refuse. I won't do it. I'm a man of God now. I won't I kill won't anyone. I won't kill, yeah. And so they string him up in the bar, put a rope around his neck, throw it over one of the beams, mm-hmm. and put a chair under him. And Gene Hackman is shooting out the legs exactly of the chair. Like exactly like he did like with the marshal. And, and she's there. She's in the bar. She shoots the rope. Right. Right, right. as he's about to die. Which and saves him. <laughs> and Herod later, after that, and after all this other stuff, oh, this weird woman rides into the same town where I killed the marshal and the, I made the little girl do it. This he woman did not comes put into it town together, yeah. And she saves him, saves this guy by shooting the rope, and she's all weird and mysterious. I don't know why she doesn't like me. Who is she? Do you have some particular problem with me? That is kind of funny because he's such a, he's supposed to be such a, um, you know, cunning kind of character. But, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that scene, because, well, you know what, Micah? I'm just now realizing that this might be because I watched (laughs) the first half two weeks ago. Because what I was about to say is it would have been way more powerful Mm -hmm. if she would have done that with Russell Crowe's character later in the movie. But actually, probably if you watch the movie all at once, you would remember that she had just done that. I did remind you when it happened. I was like, remember how she did that with Court at the beginning? And you were like, uh, kind of. No, no, I remember it. I remember it. But I, I didn't. I didn't remember it when I saw her, when I saw the scene that they finally showed of her shooting her father. I did, I had, I didn't remember it in that, Mm -hmm. at that moment. You had to remind me. And when you did, I did remember it. But my point is, it's probably more powerful when you uh, see them a little more close together. Like I would say less than two weeks, like probably within the length of a movie would be a more reasonable time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a lot more Uh, sense. So there's a whole cast of characters of people that uh, have joined the shootout contest and the rules change halfway through the first round, like the first day, you just have to shoot the person. You don't have to kill them. And then later the second day, the stakes are higher because they're all the big name actors that we know that are left. And that's when Herod comes in and says, you have to kill to win. Yeah, he changes the rules suddenly. So there are a whole bunch of people in the tournament. There's a big... Swedish guy who's like the gun fighting champion, champion of, of Sweden, Sweden. and everybody mm-hmm. laughs at that. Of course, he's the first one to die. Yeah. Um, Ace is who I was talking about earlier, Lance Henriksen. I actually love his character. He's dressed in like all black leather. He's very fancy. 
he has fancy guns, and he's always talking about how he can shoot with either hand. You want to play poker with me, little lady? Looks like you're having a pretty good time playing with yourself. It's a very special pack. See, I put an ace in every time I kill him. I remember him. And so he gives people no, he, an ace and then he kills them. Or he... People who have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives them an ace or no. Yeah. That so doesn't make sense. He comes Whatever. into the... No, he collects an ace for every person he kills. Yeah. That's what it is. Or I don't know where he collects So he just from, has boxes but... <laughs> of the same decks of cards and just every time he like no, pulls I've... out one ace and throws the rest it's away. It's like a teardrop tattoo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's like counting your kills. Mm-hmm. So ace comes in and we're supposed to think he's... Like the main villain in the story. Mm -hmm. He's talking shit to Sharon Stone. They're in the saloon and he's already threatening her and talking. Like he has a lot of bravado and he talks, he brags about all the kills he's made and how he can shoot him down with his left hand or his right hand and do all this stuff. Gene Hackman kills him really early on uh, and exposes him as a fraud and says, I know, I know you're making it up and lying because I'm the one who actually killed those twins or whatever. There's Eugene, the um, owner of the brothel in town, who is goaded into joining the tournament by the kid, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets shot by the lady because he rapes a girl who he wants to join his brothel and then comes down and is bragging about it. And she gets pissed and challenges him. And he's like, I'm not going to do it right now. You know the rules. And she goes out and shoots him in the dick. Um, which is great, mm-hmm. and then kills him. It is him. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she won't kill him at first, but then he comes in and shoots the whiskey glass out of her hand. He's still alive, and she turns around and shoots him down. There is a character who is Native American in and this film. also a shirtless man who he... just walked by again. <laughs> Go ahead. Also, the Native American man is shirtless several times because is he's he? been shot like 45 times in the chest. Yeah. And he can't be killed by bullets. His name is Spotted Horse. Uh-huh. Um, and he's a horrible stereotype. Uh-huh. He is there just to get shot. Yes. Basically, I think Court ends up shooting him. And he doesn't die. And then he has to shoot him again, but he doesn't have a bullet. And so another <sighs> character that's very interesting, there's a blind shoeshine boy in this town. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? 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 Well, he he's a plot device. Um, no, I, I get it. Several <laughs> times he's very important in the movie. At this point, Court is only being given one bullet for each shootout, and he has to kill him with one shot. So he's lined up with this guy who can't be killed by bullets. So he shoots him. He's on the ground. He gets back up and starts shooting at him. And Court's like, I only have one bullet. Come on, give me a bullet. And Herod says, no, you know the rules. So the blind shoeshine boy reaches in his shoeshine kit and has a drawer full of bullets. Why does he have a drawer full of bullets? Oh, and he can also identify them all bullets. by feel. Mm-hmm. So he throws it to Court. Court puts it in his gun. This is Russell Crowe. Yeah. And shoots him. Sergeant Cantrell is played by Keith David. Uh, he's the only black man in the film. Uh-huh. Black other person. Than, actually, uh-huh. other than the um, coffin maker at the very beginning. Um, he is a hired gun that the townspeople all pooled their money together to get him to come kill Herod. Right, but you don't find that out till later either. And then or Herod, do you? Or or if I would have watched the film all at once, would I have it's known hinted that? at, and you, but you're not really sure what's going on. Um, Herod shoots him twice, and then the third shot blows a hole the size of a coffee can 
in his head, and you can see Gene Hackman through through the back. His no, head. that shot was so hilarious. It's the back so of so silly. It go, you you see the back of his head, but it's not a head anymore. It's just a big hole, big big hole that a gun that size could not make a hole <laughs> that size in a person. Well, Gene Hackman, every third bullet when he goes into a shootout is a fifty caliber round. Are you being serious? No, I'm okay. not being serious. It's ridiculous. See, I don't know. It's so I silly. Don't... So we find out after Sharon Stone sleeps with the kid, she got really drunk. She wakes up the next morning on the kid's oh, bed. Oh, God, I forgot yeah. about that. He was really into her. And she doesn't remember it, but he says that they had sex. Gross. Yep. And then she finds out that he sleeps on barrels of TNT, which is a weird thing to sleep on. Mm-hmm. So I bet that's going to come up later in the film, right? Yeah, it does. It does. What do you know? Um, And again, the blind shoeshine boy is involved. She is matched up with Court at the very end. So Herod is left, and then Court and the lady are left. And they act like they don't want to kill each other. And Herod starts counting down from 10. And they fake her death, basically. She gets some red ink from the shoeshine boy. Court shoots her in the chest, supposedly. She disappears. They take her body away. And then when Court and Herod are about to have their shootout. Buildings start exploding. Yep. The whole town blows up, basically. And here comes Sharon Stone walking out of the fire. And she shoots Gene Hackman. And we see another magic bullet situation. Yeah, it goes straight through him. You can see a hole right through his body. Yeah, and he notices that because he looks down and sees his shadow. And there's just a tiny little pinprick of light in the middle of his body and then they show it and then the next shot where she shoots him she shoots him in the head in the eyeball and you get a ride on the bullet as it goes to his eye and he flips over backwards and lands on his face that part was kind of gross you didn't really see a lot of it but people shoot holes in in bodies in this movie, like straight up holes, like holes all the way mm-hmm. through, which I, I I know does happen occasionally with bullets, but I feel like it's pretty rare. Uh, so that it's kind of, it's interesting to me that this happens so many times in this town. You know, it's just a phenomenon, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You did miss the, the most significant part of the film, in my opinion. Oh, yeah? Which is where Gene Hackman is up against... The kid. So oh, yeah, the kid yeah. is Leonardo DiCaprio. He is Gene Hackman's son. And, but uh, he's not, he's like illegitimate. He doesn't recognize him as his son. Yeah, whatever. Something well, like that. Well, that's important because Leo well, no, wants it's his just respect. Like, he wants his respect, yes. And I don't, I, it's just never clear to me what, if it's just that Gene Hackman is an asshole and bad father, or if it's that he doesn't, you know, claim him. But everybody knows it's his son. So, yeah. Anyway, but yes, uh, Leo, the entire movie, all he wants is his dad's approval. It's very sad, but he's also this like super arrogant kid who is very good at shooting and th- and he's like, thinks he's on another level, says that literally. Yeah. And he then challenges his dad because I think that he's trying to call his bluff essentially. Yeah. Like you're not going to kill me. Right. Or, or he was planning to shoot him. Uh, and just not kill him, but just shoot him to prove Show that, him he that he's faster than is, his dad. Yeah. Yeah, and that he's worthy of respect. The gunfight is in the head, not in the hands. 
The only thing that makes him invincible is because you all think he is. Maybe five years ago he was the fastest. But, uh, time catches up with everyone. He's just a little bit slower than he used to be. And as for myself, would you believe it? I just reached my peak. But of course, and I knew this would happen, Gene Hackman kills him. Mm -hmm. It is the saddest by far, I thought, scene in the movie. It's very, very sad and upsetting because he doesn't die right away. He's lying, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio, lying on the ground and bleeding and he starts crying and and screaming i don't want to die like he is an actual like a normal kid. person who would, he's a kid who just been shot yeah he's a, a child yeah. who was just shot by his father mm-hmm. um and it's very it's devastating i found that scene incredibly devastating and that's when i started thinking about romeo and juliet and how uh powerful his performance was in that because he really he can really be um very moving and yeah. and that he's scene really was good so and he was upsetting. great in that scene and sharon stone was not Oh, I don't remember what she did. She, he said, he said, I don't want to die. And she said, of course you don't. And just kind of looked down and covered her face with her hat. So you couldn't see her acting. Well, I mean, she was just like, what are you going to say? I think she was like, she was not, I know you don't like, I mean, but yes, she was fine. She just wasn't given much. I mean, she's the hero, but she hardly speaks ever. I mean, she's tough. She's badass, And I appreciate that. She isn't, I, I do like that she isn't treated, because, you know, it's Sharon Stone. She's, like, gorgeous, and I don't know, I feel like in a lot of movies she would just be, that would be her character, that she's gorgeous, mm-hmm. and that's not, that's not what she's about. But still, yeah, she's just boring. I thought, her character was really boring, mm-hmm. and that, and it was too bad, because, as usual, all the men around her She's the she should be the center of the story, but all the men yeah. around her are given much more interesting, funnier, yes, you know, more just better roles, just better. So it was like, yeah, they were subverting the trope by having a woman be the stranger that comes into town and be the hero, but also they, they kind of did it half-assed. Yeah, I found her, I found her character really boring, and yes, I didn't, I, I didn't blame her acting for that. I just. I was bothered by her acting, but I think you're right. It's more like it's not fair just to point that out because she was given the role of the quiet hero, but yeah, she played her role very well. It wasn't She's... as interesting. Like she, she was tortured because her father. She killed her father. Mm-hmm. Um, she also didn't want to kill anyone except Herod, but she had to to go through this thing. But she, it, she didn't even want to do that. As it turns out, yeah. yeah she was very wasn't... upset when she finally did kill that guy. She was, like, really shaken by it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It, she could have been a much more interesting character. Yeah. Um, it's a, It was a really, I thought, missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, the movie, I don't know. I guess it's fun for people who love westerns and stuff. But for me, I just sit there and I'm like, this is hilarious. It's like, it's gunfights. Let's just talk about gunfights for a second and how <laughs> fucking stupid. Like, this has to be the stupidest, most inane thing that men have ever invented. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> it's so stu- 
I mean, in my notes, like back at the beginning when they're talking about this contest, my notes on it are like, who would, why would anyone join this contest? You're going to die. I don't, it's so, it's so And it's an annual contest that Herod puts on to prove that he's the baddest ass. Where stupid men decide that they need to prove what? I don't even. And the the prize is like. $25,000. I don't know how much it is, but it's a lot of money for back then. But nobody's ever going to get it. Also, to be fair, in the beginning, they're just shooting each other. They're not shooting to kill. Right. So, but that's even funnier because the doctor is that the doctor Mm -hmm. is also a fairly prominent character. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, he, he's like standing there with his little medical bag, just waiting on the side of the gunfight to see who's going to go down. And then he just like kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, hustles out there. So the doctor is played by Robert Blossom, who I think we know him best as the the, the neighbor, neighbor from Home Alone. Yeah, the guy that they think, like, buries bodies, but yeah. he's actually a really sweet old man. Yeah. I want to ask this because I, I feel it's important because it was something that I was absolutely focused on and distracted by. How did they treat gunshot wounds back then? Uh, you just died. Well, right. But that's... But they didn't, though. <laughs> not everybody died. Like, the doctor is hustling out. So it's like, right. he's not just leaving them there to die. I mean, what was had, he doing? Peroxide? Yeah, they had antiseptic. So they took the bullets had, out, yeah. which had to be super painful. And then they just tried to keep it from getting Tourniquets infected. And, yeah. I, it's such a... It's just... <laughs> I'd like to spend a little more time just digging into this idea yeah. of signing up for a gunfight. Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. I was actually kind of into it at the beginning because they weren't necessarily killing each other. They were just shooting, which I think is something that I thought much that more was commonly happened in gunfights. And all, yeah. all we see it's in the old westerns is stupid as hell. These people that can shoot from the hip and they, and they kill, kill every time every instantly time. with one bullet. Yeah. Um but they immediately throw that out because <laughs> in like the first gunfight with Ace and and Mr. Herod, it's not the first one, but in that one, he like shoots his hands and then he shoots him in the head. And the, like he just, he shoots him like five times in all these spots exactly where he wants to shoot him. So they are pinpoint accurate. And later in the contest, they have to shoot to kill. So, well, yeah, because, but that's, that's because Gene Hackman, again, he's a sadistic fuck and he yeah. just decides to change the rules. Uh, and and what he says goes because that's yeah, how it he is in this town. town. I mean, and he he has a whole monologue about that. I want to go way back if you don't mind, because as you may know, something I like to do is just kind of look through my notes. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the only frame of reference I have. There's a Confederate flag in the bar. That was just an observation yeah. that I hated. Which is strange because um, I think it's set in like New Mexico or Arizona or something. Yeah, I could be well, wrong, but oh, I I wanted to share that I did write down a quote. When Russell Crowe said, I wasn't always a preacher, I just wrote, no shit in all caps. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to say that because earlier I feel like I made it sound like I didn't notice anything. But I obviously, yeah. uh, he was very clearly not always a fucking yeah. preacher. There's a lot of that in this movie where... Why are they picking on this poor preacher, man? Well, it's just it's just like so obvious. But trying to make it... Like, okay... 
at the end of the movie, when yeah. she comes walking out in that in that beautiful scene, it's uh-huh. a beautiful scene. It reminds me very much of Desperado when they walk out, you know, in the mm-hmm. flames. The, Slow-mo. Yes. She walks out, her hair's down. Her, she's yeah. just looking wild and like, it's great. It's a great scene. But she comes out of the shadows and Gene Hackman's just staring. And yeah, I just, all like, I could think. Who could it be? <laughs> exactly. All I could think was like, are we supposed to be surprised by this? Yeah. Are, were we, do you think? Because no. they made it very clear that, that she was planning something. Right. She then... asked the boy, like, what color ink do you have? And then you clearly see her grab her chest. And when her hand moves, there's a whole bunch of red ink there. Yes. Like, And she also tapped. I mean, it's so overtly, yeah. it's so fucking obvious. She tapped the TNT barrels mm-hmm. just like, to make sure we notice those. This. Oh, God. My favorite example of this was... So for the lady's first shootout, Russell Crowe had been in one before, and he tells her. Oh, yes, says, yes, yes. I have a note on this, too. All the all the shootouts happen oh, at noon gosh. or on the hour. Like oh, somebody yes. challenges you, and then on the hour, that's when we have the shootout. So when the clock strikes 12, we that's when you draw. So he tells her as she's walking by, and there's tons of other people standing on the steps of this building. He whispers in her ear. This is a man who's like in chains. He's a prisoner and he's not allowed to do anything or talk to anyone. But yeah. they let her walk by. So he whispers in her ear right before the clock strikes 12. There's a. No, this is what he says. Okay. I wrote it down. <laughs> there's a click before the strike. Yes. There's a click before the strike. Listen to the clock. Listen to the clock. And they made sure that we heard that twice. Mm-hmm. He said it to her, and then when she was standing there about ready to shoot this dude... At 11.59 and 58 seconds. We heard it in her mind. There's a click before the strike. Listen to the clock. His voice saying it again. And they show him, and then it plays. Yeah. And then they show her, and then they show the clock. No. And what? I was confused. I had to pause it and rewind. I'm like, what What clock are they talking about? <laughs> Fuck off, Micah. Why is he saying that? Fuck what off. are they going to do with the clock? What? What I, what I thought was funny about that, too, also, was that everyone knows there's a click before, like, it moves. No, you have to listen for it. But, like, I, Nobody I don't... Nobody else can I just, hear it. I just feel like that's not really all that, like, revolutionary <laughs> of a thing to notice or tell her. Like... Of course there's a click before the fucking... Like, do these people know how clocks work? Everyone knows how a clock works. Why would he need to tell her I that? I think the implication is that it's a very, very quiet click. But oh. the entire town is so silent at the beginning of these shootouts. It's not really an advantage. Anyone would be able to hear that. And anyone who's yes. not an idiot would be able to think, Oh, huh, click. That'd that be a good time to time. draw. I just, it, it would was be so... seconds before and nobody, like milliseconds before and nobody would think I was cheating. I mean, I feel, I do feel like if they had just said so it, dumb. if they had just said it once, it would have been fine. But the fact that they said mm-hmm. it twice and the fact that that's what they chose to say let's, twice. Let's point like, out so our dumb many, plot device. There are so many other. In case you missed it. Things they could have done with that. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It just was such a... I just thought that was such a weird fucking detail that they chose to focus on. I did Uh, love some of the cinematography. It was beautiful. mm -hmm. Any Western, like, just these barren landscapes. Yeah. The desert and the mountains and the the light is incredible. And there are several shots that are just beautiful. I do. I love Old West towns. Yeah. 
these towns that stand out in the middle of nothing. There's yeah. no river nearby. There's like, why is there a fucking town here? Mm-hmm. And they're just abandoned and destroyed. And, and yet, everyone is dirty. Yeah. Like dirt from head Super to toe. Dirty. In this movie in particular, like I really noticed and that. And they did a great Except job of it. Hickman. But I know there are parts of it that I really liked. There are also parts that it just doesn't fit with the Western genre, which I know Sam Raimi was doing on purpose. He's trying to update it and do something different, but there yeah. are so many shots of quick zooms into oh people's faces and it, they do it like nine times. So there'll be yeah. two people standing there and they'll do, There'll be like a medium shot so you well, can see their torso and then it zooms into the face and then it does it to the other person and then it does face to eyes and then face to eyes well, and then tighter on, like eyes, tighter on eyes, tighter on eyes, tighter on this, tighter on this, clock. I feel like... <laughs> it was though, so overdone. It's because you, as you said, this whole movie is shootouts. They skipped an entire plot just so they could do shootouts. And so it was like they were trying to make it more interesting by doing that. And yeah. toward the end is when they really started doing that oh no it was it was like they were either trying to make it more dramatic or i thought this has to be funny on purpose right this is fun this is so over the top that i felt like it had to be i think it's kind of is this movie maybe a comedy the western because that was something that happened in old westerns or if you watch some spaghetti westerns there are lots of close-ups of eyes and there are lots of reaction shots and lots of back and forth um, so yeah, it's, it's poking at that a little bit. These shots were also at weird angles, which was kind of new. Um, and they were, I think they were overdoing it on purpose, but it wasn't but... just at the end of the film. At the beginning, there was a montage of clocks and repairing a clock and cleaning guns. And then this like music video montage of eyes and zooming in on Leo's face and zooming in on this person's face. And they didn't show a whole bunch of the the shootouts. They just did it in this like hilariously stylized way with black backgrounds and wispy smoke from gunshots going by. I don't I don't I don't understand what they were going for there. I just I know that it wasn't supposed to be funny. There's no way it was supposed to be funny because that wouldn't fit with the rest of the movie. It's not a comedy. There's, I, it's not funny. I think it was supposed to be a little funny. It's, I, it's like really acknowledging that it's. I don't think part so, of the Micah. Western genre, and it's making fun of that a little bit. I think it was taking itself pretty fucking seriously. You have to remember, this is the guy who directed Evil Dead, Army yeah, of Darkness. That's true. Like, which are funny, right? I haven't seen Zena, Warrior Princess. Yeah. Okay, that's true. It's very self-aware. Well, then I need to watch it again because it did not feel self-aware to me. It just felt it felt like it was trying to do something that it didn't quite do, and I'm not sure what that was. I'm not sure what that I th- well, I think what that was was to make a different kind of western, but it it's it's not. It, it, like I I just did I don't think that they were successful at doing that at all. I think you're right. I think they were trying to kind of make a different kind of western. They were also acknowledging that they're trying to make a different kind of western, and they're kind of making fun of the genre a little bit too. I don't know, but and okay. it didn't quite work. No, it didn't. It didn't quite work. That said, there were some great performances. I mean, I actually think yeah. everybody in it. There were no performances that stood out to me as not being good, actually. I mean, Russell Crowe was good. Uh, Gene Hackman's good. Leonardo Caprio's good. I did not like Russell Crowe. 
I thought he was fine. I mean, in Russell the- Crowe seemed like all his dialogue was like ADR'd. It didn't sound like he was even talking. It, he didn't seem like he was there or gave a shit, really, in a lot of the... He was so passive, and I know that was his character. He was this I didn't really creature see who was as- just taking the beatings and wasn't going to be violent, but... No, but he was, like, looking out for her. Yeah. I feel like that was mostly what he was doing... Well, and, of course, Gene Hackman, being the sadistic fuck that he was, pushed Russell Crowe into killing people when he didn't want to. Like, mm-hmm. he, he called his bluff. And so there was that part where he had that instinct still. But I do want, I want to mention that he, um, <laughs> that Gene Hackman invited uh, Sharon Stone to dinner. And I say yeah. invited, but it's not an invitation. It's like, you must come. Yeah, you, know, you will. The note he left said like dinner tonight. Uh, so she gets all dolled up, which was weird to me. But anyway, she gets all dolled up. I guess that's just like appropriate dinner attire. She's wearing a dress <laughs> and she looks like a totally different person. Well, she's going to the fancy man's house. I mean, for dinner, it so. was weird. But anyway, I mean, honestly, that scene felt to me like, oh, we need a scene where Sharon Stone. Yeah. Looks hot. Yeah. Or looks pretty in a more typical way. But that scene was so funny to me. It was great because it's Gene Hackman and and she was I thought she was really good in it too. But he's like he's got that chuckle and he's just being a creep. He's just a total yeah. fucking creep. He says he tells her, I find myself almost uncontrollably attracted <laughs> to you. What a fucking creep. It's so gross. But also he invited her to dinner. They're drinking wine. The only food you see in the scene is an apple that he's peeling. Yeah. And then he did slices it Did they have an apple for dinner? <laughs> he did. There she was no shit. I was like, there's no, there. he's having an apple. I don't think But he, he wasn't even eating the apple. He was just. question mark on the invitation. It didn't say dinner tonight. I think it just said dinner tonight. And what he meant was. I'm eating dinner tonight. If you want to come sit across, which from me. will be an apple. <laughs> yeah. That's not a dinner. Maybe they ate before. Maybe that was dessert. Whatever. It was really hilarious. I loved it. Yeah. I like to think that they just sat there. There was no dinner served. They just sat there drinking wine. He hit on her and acted like a total fucking creep and just had his knife out the whole time, peeling, peeling an, an apple, apple which mm-hmm. is like supposed to also be, you know, intimidating mm-hmm. and sort of threatening, but. Oh man, it was so. Again, is that was that intentional? Was that supposed to be funny? Maybe that was supposed to be funny. That you know, I don't maybe know. that was them playing with something. I don't know what they're playing with though. Well, I mean, the plot that we talked about at the beginning—they're playing with the whole genre of westerns. They're. I know, and I think I'm just not like I've seen some westerns. I love the movie Silverado, as you know, Micah, uh, and I will forever say that that's Kevin Costner's best role ever. He is great in that. I love Silverado. I haven't seen that many Westerns, though, really. I've never, uh, you know, as a younger person, I was not interested because I hated violence. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen that many. And so, I, you know, there's definitely a possibility that I was missing what was going on here if there was something going on at a deeper level. But I don't know. No, I think it's accurate what you said before. I think they were playing with a lot of different things, but I think it's... It'd be easy to look back and say, well, it's a film from the 90s. It didn't quite work the way they wanted it to, but I kind of see what they were doing. But I don't think it's just that it was a film from the 90s. I think they were intentionally playing with some certain things Mm -hmm. and they were acknowledging things. I just don't think it all quite 
worked the way they thought it would. And, you know, I feel the same way about Xena in a way. Mm. And I haven't watched enough of it, honestly. And obviously, um, we only watched a couple episodes. People love that show. I watched more than that, but yeah. And I think camp is really hard to do. Yeah. And when you're mixing it with like... When you're doing it on purpose. trying to mix it with (laughs) real action and Mm. other real... Like emotions, real emotions. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to, it's really hard to do. Because that does exist in this movie. There's actually quite a bit of that, as well as in Xena, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, I think I think with a TV show, though, too, you have more space to build mm-hmm. that. And, and you can do one-off episodes that are just silly. Or... Sure. But with a movie, and especially a movie that you watch half of, and then you watch two weeks later the other half, I don't know why they set it up like that. You know, I wish they wouldn't have, um, I wish they would have just made it so that like it could be watched all at once. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. Like it's weird that they did that. Mm -hmm. I do want to remind you though, that Sam Raimi does have one very, very famous scene in his body of work that was not accepted by anyone as working. It was not well received at all. In this movie? In what movie? In Spider-Man 2. Okay. Wait, don't tell me. Wait, was it Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 3? It was Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 is the one where Tobey Maguire gets all dark? Yeah, so in Spider-Man 3. Oh, is it the one with the American flag? No, it's the when Tobey Maguire is like walking down the street dancing. Oh, yeah, that's a weird scene. And that kind of encompasses a lot of... his body of work to me like this he's trying to be funny he's really trying to do a certain that, thing. that much oh yeah like, what do you people like, everyone fucking was like, still what talk is about this? it like what were you doing it just that didn't fit. ruined the movie for a lot of people really like I... people loved spider-man one and then yeah. people love spider-man two even more even though they're basically this fucking yeah, same that... they are the same movie. i was like this is the same movie it's i don't care movie. about this i like this. both of them um, i do like both of but them but then spider-man 3 was people were pissed well spider-man 3 what i was pissed about was like all the fucking patriotic bullshit but the dancing part i don't know that didn't well it's been whole, a very long time whole, since i've seen like, it but i don't remember it bothering peter me. parker subplot. sure sure but that's different people you're didn't ta- like you're talking about an attempt at building camp into something mm-hmm. is that what you're saying like it's like to make it campy and make it yeah. kind of almost absurd and funny, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. quite land. Yeah, and that one didn't land. And I think I feel the same way when I watch a lot of Xena. I'm just baffled. Like, wait, what am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be laughing oh, right now? I Are they taking Xena, this seriously? I find Xena um, just absolutely hilarious. And I but, found a little bit of that in this film too. Like they were, they were doing things that just didn't quite land maybe the way they wanted them to. See, I. I think that I need to go into movies more, maybe with more knowledge. I like to walk into it blind, and especially for this podcast. Mm-hmm. We talked about this very early on, that I was trying to view things from a sort of, you know, not innocent, but kind of more innocent viewpoint, as if I were 16 when I would have seen it if I saw it when it came out, right? Mm-hmm. But I kind of, but I do, I feel like, if I would have been thinking about the people who made this movie and their other work while I was watching it, it might have helped. It might have, mm. I might have been able to appreciate parts of it more because just so much of it just seemed so fucking silly. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. I think that I feel, I feel not a lot about it. What I, 
What I feel mostly is that there were some really strong performances, and Gene Hackman just slays me. Yeah, I, he's really great. I just can't get enough of him. Like, watching this movie, all I could think was, what else can I watch that Gene Hackman is in? Let's watch Superman, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, let's watch The Royal Tenenbaums. Let's watch... When does he play a good guy, though? Does he? I know yeah. he does. There are times when he does. I was thinking about... Actually, I thought about the French Connection at one point oh, yeah. in this because he... Is he a detective in that one? Yeah, he makes a comment about um, he and Russell Crowe in this film. He's like, there was a time when uh, you couldn't tell us apart. And I was like, <gasps> oh, really? I forgot to mention that. I'm so glad you brought that up. When was that time? I'm so glad you brought that up. Wait, I took a note on that. Are you talking about when you were in your 20s? I took a note on that. And then later when he was in his 20s? So not the same time. I love to think of a time when Gene Hackman and Russell (laughs) Crowe looked the same. Yeah. I just, I was so, that comment, I'm, thank you so much for bringing that up. Because if we did this episode and I looked back at my notes and realized I hadn't mentioned that, I would have been really upset. Yeah, we both wrote that down. It's hilarious. Oh, it was so, I was like. I love Gene Hackman. Really? But he's, he's never been, he's not like, like Russell Crowe is a good looking guy in this film. In a typical sort of way. Yeah. And Gene Hackman is an actor. I find Gene Hackman attractive, but it's because he is, because of his. I mean, he's not an ugly dude or weird looking or anything, but he's just not. No, he's not that leading man, handsome thing, whatever that is. That line was, it killed me. I mean, I find Gene Hackman far more attractive than Russell Crowe personally, but that's because. Right, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also Gene Hackman's like 90 now. So I probably wouldn't <laughs> find him as attractive these days. But I just am, I just, I honestly, like I'm, I am blown away by him in a way that I can't say about very many actors. I love a lot of actors. I can't, there are not many people that make me feel the way that he makes me feel yeah. watching him. And it's this, it's just absolutely captivated i felt the same thing when you said like let's watch other gene hackman movies during the scene when he is yelling at the whole town Mm -hmm. he kills cantrell and this is the guy he shoots in the head and you can see like (laughs) this huge hole you can see gene hackman through the hole it's ridiculous Um, it's It's totally ridiculous and that is like okay this is like the evil dead guy he directed the evil Uh dead movies this is it's supposed to be like over the top and absurd and silly uh-huh. and also like, oh, he's a really good shot. Like, oh. That's, he's so badass and he's so terrible. And, and shocking. Um, There's some yeah. shock value for and sure. And then immediately after that, he's yelling at the town because the town hired this guy to kill him. And mm-hmm. he's like, I own you. This is my town! If you live to see the dawn, it's because I allow it. I'm in charge of everything. I decide who lives or who dies. Your gunfighter's dead. Old news. Don't if you you're get that? Like pooling yeah. your money together to have someone kill me that means i'm not taking enough of your money so you don't get it i'm gonna make your lives horrible and he's doing that thing that gene jackman does where he's screaming yeah but it's restrained actually gets really angry and he he just snapped and he's super pissed and it made me think of superman it made me think of Mm -hmm. some other things um 
and God, I did I... want to watch more movies. But it the in this film, I felt kind of robbed because hmm. I couldn't experience that Gene Hackman totally captivating me because there were so many other weird things going on in the mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> oh, I just felt like every scene he was in, it, it, yeah, every scene. I that's why I love the dinner scene i say dinner but it's just an apple being peeled peeled (laughs) uh and him like hitting on her in a really just fucking creepy way but i love it because it's it's like i feel like i get time with him yeah and i don't want to leave sharon stone out like she's good in that scene too but you know and and to be fair sharon stone absolutely has that quality in other movies Mm -hmm. like of course, the only movies I ever think of of her is like Basic Instinct. But I mean, she's very captivating in mm-hmm. a, in a very different way. But she just was so like her character is just super boring in this movie, and especially next to Gene Hackman, she's just like yeah, she's like wallpaper. But anyway, so yeah, um, I love Gene Hackman. I guess is the, is what the uh, <laughs> final thing about this movie is that I want to say. So Jen, before we wrap this up and go yeah, eat our we dinner, need to come back to the which is what? where I um, peel an apple. Oh yeah, am I? Do I have to get? Yeah, you need to get dolled all dolled up, up and, and I'm wear gonna a chuckle big creepily. ass dress. And mm-hmm. are you gonna say I find myself almost uncontrollably attracted to you? Yes, Jen. Oh, I'm you're make, gonna say I'm that? gonna say that just like I say it to you every night. Okay, um, let's get back to the jumble. Okay, fun. So the first jumble is T U D O O. What you got for me? I have nothing. I can't figure that one out. Let's come back to the first one. The second one, R-E-B-B-I. Bribe. Bribe. So the letters in the circled ones, for those of you keeping track at home, are B, R, and E. Uh Uh-huh. The third one, (sighs) U-N-C-I-D-E. Okay, so let's come back to that one. Uh, The fourth one is E-M-B-L-U-F. So back to the first one. Um, We'll come back to the last one. It's T-U-D-O-O. So it starts with a very... Outdo. Yes, you got it. So the letters in the circles on this one are T and O. Um, So now we have the third one left. U-N-C-I-D-E. This one was really hard for me. This is something... I'm going to give a hint now, so you may want to pause it if you're still trying to figure these out. This is something that you do at the end of your pregnancy, possibly. The very end. Abort doesn't fit... (laughs) It doesn't even have any of those letters. That's not funny. Give me this. Um, change your mind doesn't nope. fit. Um, if things just aren't happening when they should be. Oh, don't do that. Don't make it that easy. It's induce, and I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate. So, the what are the circle letters on that one? N D U. All right, and so the last one, E M B L U F. Give me a goddamn hint okay. like that. That was just insulting i'm sorry i really mishandled that one we really fucking did i almost dropped it good one i know that you're talking about like childbirth i almost dropped the ball oh are you not talking about childbirth okay doesn't matter um me flub as in as in like i make a mistake but like you say me flub Mm -hmm. it was real close actually flub me oh this that's one of those classic jumble things that happens where you get so close. The letter's almost in the right spots. Me? Nope. I don't know. This is the last one, so I hope you can recover from this. <sighs> Bleef'em. Bleef'em. Bluef'em. Muff. 
Mufflub. Muffball. Muffball. Fumble. Yep. I almost Let's dropped go. the ball. You got it. So what are the letters in the circles there? U-M-E. U-M-E. So if you get, if you put all those together, if you put all those together, you have T-O-B-R-E-N-D-U-U-M-E. Why did the accountants beat the lawyers, Jen? And what's the thing? It says they were... They were... Is it one? It's one it's word? It's one word. And it has to do with accountants. Uh, this is like so much pressure right now. I don't know how to... I'm not... I don't respond to this kind of thing well. It's too many letters for one word. One word! It's one word. What's, what's, the, what's a basic thing of accounting that you could use? You could use those addition? letters to make that word that has to do with accounting. What do accountants... They do taxes. What what do they... They add. Move around and stuff. Monies. More, more simple. More, more simple? Foundational to math and... What's the basic Numbers? unit? Yeah. Oh, is it outnumbered? Yes. You got it. They were outnumbered. You did the jumble. That was so fun, Micah. I know. I know it was. We'll put some fun music behind that. Yeah, that was we really neat. Maybe we'll put in some sound effects that make it sound like I was having fun. <laughs> like occasionally like a woo. Oh, you know okay. I mean? Or like a yeah. So not sound effects, but just like you being. Can you do those again so we can get them clean for. That's good. That's my jumble sound. Okay, now make another happy sound for me. Ah. <laughs> That's great. We're putting that one in every time you get one right. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> we'll see, uh, but we can't do th- This is like a time travel situation. Yeah, they already heard it. Because we can't go back and do it. Yeah. Yeah, we can't talk about this now as if we're doing it in the future mm-hmm. when people have already heard it. Podcasting so is like time travel. We've talked I about don't this before. Think, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can add them We now. already did it, Jen. It's too late. I think we have it's to pretend now... To, or or maybe we just need to have to maybe to, play it again. Maybe we need to have to do it again. Yeah, maybe we just play it again right now with sound effects added. So anyway, you guys let us know what you thought about Micah's jumble segment <laughs> today, and if you'd like us to switch to the jumble instead of the funny just papers, every time. because I feel a little bit like Will Shorts right now. I feel like I did a really good job. Of setting up that puzzle. Do you? On the radios. That's yep. excellent. I'm so glad you feel good about yourself. No. Um, join us next time on Seeing the Funny Papers for, you know that one where you have to you spot the 10 things that are different between the two pictures? Oh my God. That's a great, <laughs> that's, a per, that's perfect for podcasting. Your type of podcasting where you just describe shit. In excruciating visual. detail. Uh, yeah, in excruciating detail. Um, okay, well, I feel like we're coming to the end of this episode. Really? I feel like we, we got there a long um, time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but then you pulled out the fucking jumble again. <laughs> uh, so, we will have an episode on Tommy Boy coming out soon. I think we might even, you know, get to do, like, two episodes in a row. Like, whoa. Whoa. And then we're going to do music. So, I, I think we... are ready for I that. I think we might be able to get some episodes out we're turning over a new leaf here we're doing this now we're doing it we're officially doing it um and we're also making a podcast sit down (laughs) oh i get it sex podcast yeah so uh i you know forever on this stupid show we've been trying to figure out how to incorporate montana in all of our episodes and i this episode's already too long what have we been recording like two hours three hours hour and a half six hours so i'm not gonna try to do that right now i it's you can't really force it if we have something to talk about then it's great 
You don't want to talk about the shootouts that they made you guys do? Yeah, I was going to I was going to talk about the tournament. The I was going to talk about the sort of general dirt and dustiness mm. of the landscape and the general dustiness of the Montana landscape. We were were we in McCall when we watched the first half of this movie? I think so. I did feel like it was very appropriate at the time because we've been driving through like we drove through Nevada and the desert and the mm-hmm. sagebrush and mm-hmm. we've been out yeah this movie in the was West. yeah it did it felt very appropriate i think that at some point we will go through montana it will be not mm-hmm. till next spring but uh i actually i want to go up to the school i want to drive up that long ass driveway and just see what's up there and most likely john and his wife and kids will be up there Maybe, and maybe, maybe we'll record the whole us, thing. Yes, and maybe, maybe it'll be a whole thing. I don't know, but I just feel like I need to do that. Something in me needs to go there again. We have been back to Montana a few times. Um, yeah, but by never. ourselves, and then with the kids. And I, I remember to Glacier Park. That's yeah, the only we place we Glacier ever Park. go in Montana. I remember asking you one time though, when we were there, if you wanted to drive up there, and I was um, like, "Fuck no!" Or yeah, did I say but yes? But we had talked about it, but. You were like, I really want to see it, but I don't want to go there. I can't go back there. No, I don't. I feel differently now. I almost feel like I need to do it because, you know, I still have nightmares. I mm-hmm. still have nightmares about that place. And it, and often I have them at least once every couple of weeks, at least, maybe more, uh, which is wild. And I don't think that that was always the case. I think that it kind of ebbs and flows. And of course, ever since we started this podcast, it's, it's more on yeah. my mind. Um, but I don't know. There's something about, I feel like maybe it would help provide some closure just to be there, just to, just to face that fear of going there. Who knows? I don't know. The nightmares will probably never end. Uh, I think that's just part of like, it's just, it's just, you know what it is to me? To me, it's just proof that it was traumatic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't have nightmares about something for the rest of your life that wasn't traumatic. Yeah. That's such a trite thing to say. You know, I don't know how to express myself no, that well. No, but I think, I think we just have to be careful if we decide to go up there. You have to be careful and make sure you're really ready for it and it's really something you want to do. Oh, well, how, I don't think there's any way for me to ever be really ready for it. I right. think either I'm going to be like, yes, I want to do it, or I'll be like, you know what, never mind, and that's fine. But I, I, I don't think that there's really a way for me to be ready for it. I mean, I can practice some mindfulness. I can do some breathing. I can remind myself of the big picture and like whatever they say to me if they see me mm-hmm. doesn't matter that's the part i'm scared of i'm scared yeah. of actually like confronting confronting that right i'm not scared of seeing the place uh I, I would i think if i were able to go up there and just see the place and not them i wouldn't have the conflict and i could spend some yeah. time just sort of like being there peacefully and it would be really helpful but because they live there yeah. it's just uh it's a little more complicated than that but anyway we'll see that's a while away but yeah so it also ebbs and flows in terms of how much it's on my mind and how much i have to say about it and i don't 
you know, in our last episode, we talked about the conversation I had with my mom, which was really significant. Uh, but it hasn't been on my mind as much lately. We've been just really busy and seeing friends and stuff. So I don't have as much to say about it. But, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. And this movie is not a movie that particularly sparked anything about my own experience. <laughs> right. Like, right. I don't. <laughs> the time you shot your dad in the head. And... Oh, God. Um, so sad. Well, thanks once again for listening to us blather on. Yep. Um, it's That's been what fun. we do. We've been doing that. And we would like to thank our patrons and all of our supporters on the social medias and Twitter. Oh, my and gosh. Thank you. Facebook and Instagram and wherever else you interact with us. It's always fun to interact. So let me know if you figured out the jumble before Jen did. Um, <laughs> you don't get a prize or anything this time, okay? We're not giving prizes this time. No prizes? We finally sent Mike from Bad Reception we his did. prize. But then, so I did want to share something, which is that I got to meet some, or I got to see some podcasters in person last week. You and I both got to hang out with Chris Yule from uh, Finish It. It was wonderful. And his daughter and his wife a little bit. Uh, it was wonderful. It was an absolute delight. And then I got to hang out with Chris again the next day. And also Lindsay Nelson from Historical Hotties, which is another great show. And Mike from Bad Reception. Uh, and it was really, really great and really fun. But what I realized is, God damn it, I finally sent Mike his prize. <laughs> I could have just given it to yeah. him in person. Like I sent it like a week ago. Months I could later, have you just mail it to him and then see him the next him. day. Yeah, it was basically like that. But <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, that's that's on that's brand for us. That's why I'm not offering prizes that right works. now because we're very bad at following through with prizes. Yes, we are. And I'm sorry about that. God, we still owe people CDs, uh, and we have not forgotten about that. We'll work on it. It's just that, yeah. Anyways. Uh, sorry, I'm blathering again, but definitely you know, check out all of those podcasts yes. that we mentioned, and they're all they're great. They interact with people on Twitter. Go on Twitter. Yes. Those are they're all all three of those people that we mentioned are great Twitterers, and you should follow them and listen to their podcasts. And they're indie podcasts. And they're, they're let people know that you're listening to their shows, and it's fun. Yeah, like it really means a lot. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to other uh, indie creators. And um, and I can say of all three of those shows that they are very well put together. This is actually part of the conversation we had about how much fucking time we spend editing. About <laughs> how those three shows are very well put together. And then ours is like, what the fuck? No, happened? no, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> In fact, Mike was saying that part of the reason he stuck with our show is that because it's there are so many podcasts is the thing. There are thousands. Yeah, do you guys know that podcasts are kind of... There are thousands Big. of podcasts, and so, you know, it was kind of nice to hear from him because I I edit pretty meticulously, and whether people people don't notice probably, which is good. You don't want like if you notice, you're only noticing like the bad parts of the editing, which not that there aren't those because there are, but you know, Mike was saying like to stick with a podcast, it has to be it has to be edited well, it has to sound good, like the you have to be able to tell that people are putting work and heart into it. Uh, and so anyway, that was really nice to hear because, uh, that's just nice to hear that our efforts are like matter to someone out there. But yeah, all those shows, you know, they work really hard on them. They put a lot of heart. And so again, finish it. Historical hotties, bad reception. Check them out. <laughs> yeah. They're all great. Okay. Anyway, we love you. Thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internets. 
thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See you in the, in the 90s. 90s. Pow, pow. Pow. Wild West. Yeah. <laughs>